0: Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, Mm -hmm. emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome everyone to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestors and I call out to mine. I call out to all of those who are good and true and beautiful ancestral helping spirits to be with us here today. We ask them to bring that great legacy of wisdom of those who have lived well, those who have died well, and those who can lean in and help us to learn from the mistakes of those who have gone before us, to do things in new ways where new ways are needed by our times, and to hold true to old ways that help us to maintain right relationship with ourselves and all other living things. I ask these ancestral helping spirits to be with us here today and to assist us in all that the day has for us. And as these ancestral, human ancestral helping spirits lean in, I call out to those even more ancient ancestral helping spirits who are not human those who were here long before there was ever a human and will be here long after I call out to these ancestral helping spirits of this great web of life in their many many forms in the great diverse life the great diverse ecosystems on the face of our planet I call out to all of you to be with me here today to be with us here today and help us to remember our own true nature Help us to remember our place in that great web of life. Help us to remember how to be the blessing that humanity is meant to be here on earth. And as all of these ancestral helping spirits come in in all of their many forms, let us gather ourselves. Gather ourselves from wherever we might be in this moment, into our head. And with our next breath, let us draw ourselves down into our heart. And with our next breath, let us draw ourselves down into our belly. And from our belly, let's take a moment to stop all the many things that we are doing and focus on one thing, which is to reach out to this earth and to give thanks for this day, to give gratitude for your life and gratitude for the wonder of this dreaming. That is the dream of life here on earth, the dream of our own planet. And give gratitude for that amazing aspect of this dream that anything that needs to be changed can be changed as long as you are still breathing. So let us focus on being the most powerful change agent that we can be in our lives and extend our energy down into the earth to ground our life, ourselves, our work into this earth, this place that we call home. And we send our energy down all the way to the center of the earth to ground our bellies to the belly of the earth and take a moment to connect in deeply to these energies that draw their strength from the sweet essence of darkness, that which renews and restores and replenishes. As we reach into that energy and begin to draw it up, let us draw up into ourselves and into our lives the wisdom of manifestation. How to be here in form, in a good way. Let the energies of the earth come in and renew, replenish, and help to bring the restoration that you seek in this day. And as the earth energy comes in, let it help you to understand how to settle in to where you stand, to what you stand for, to what has heart and meaning in your life. And may you dedicate and develop your sense of home, your sense of belonging, your sense of place from those things that have true heart and meaning. And as you open your door, may you be willing to open it to those who are other than you are. And as you set a place at your table, may you set a place for those who are different so that we can all learn how to hold that which is sacred, even when we understand that in different ways. And as you invite these energies into your life to help you to grow into the person that you were meant to be. Let your awareness open out to the energies of the earth and continue to deepen your understanding of how to be in right relationship, not just with other humans, but right relationship with life all around you, right relationship with your environment, right relationship with the invisible world. And ultimately, as you reach out to all things to come into that sense of oneness and draw your right relationship with self from this connection to all things. And as you draw that sense of self up from your belly to your heart and your heart to your mind, allow your energy to come up and out the top of your head, all the way out through the sky, whatever weather it holds for you in this moment, out through that weather, out through the atmosphere and all the way out into the cosmos, Reaching to the highest energy in the universe by whatever way you know this energy, whatever name you call it, however you conceive of it, reach out to it, see yourself in it, and it in you, and begin to draw this energy down. Drawing in this radiant energy into your life, calling in the energy of blessing, calling in the energy of protection, allowing these energies to flow into you and through you, into your day. We call in the benevolence of the universe and all that inspires and illuminates and helps us to be the lighthouse for others in our life. And as we draw this energy in and let it go down and connect with the energy of the earth and the earth rises to connect with the energy of the sky, let these two great legendary lovers awaken this center channel of energy in your body. Let that awaken the spirit of your own human heart. And call out in your heart to that great crucible of transformation that is there in the human heart. And draw up the fiery passions of your belly that burn for why you are here in this life. And call down that crystal clarity of the mind that helps you to understand and innovate and create how it is that you will bring that uniqueness into the world and let these energies mix and merge in your heart until you have some sense, some feeling, some inkling of why it is that you are here, what are the gifts that you bring and may you find courage in that very same heart to do something in this day, large or small, to bring your unique gifts into manifestation in the world and to share them with others. For all the spirit help that we have to do this act, I give great thanks. May what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I want to give special gratitude to Eliza and Laura. To amasa david kelly jessica and stephanie and all others who have donated financially to the show for those of you that are new listeners why shamanism now is listener supported it has been for a decade now and i am enormously grateful for listeners like you who donate humble donations uh, weekly or monthly and thus allow us to pay the bills to keep the archives of why shamanism now available on the internet for anyone who can get online Um, to enjoy hundreds of hours of free podcasts. So thank you for helping me to make that a reality in the world. And I also give gratitude to those of you who donate in other ways to help the show to grow, those who listen, those who learn, those who use the ideas in the show, and come back with great questions and ways that we deepen our understanding of how to use ancient shamanic practices to solve very real problems in our contemporary times. So, I give great gratitude to all of you and thank you for um, decades of support. So, today we're talking about curanderismo in contemporary times. And I would like to welcome our guest here today, Erica Buenaflor. Welcome, Erica.
1: Hi, Christina. Thank you for having
0: me. Yeah, thank you. So, for those of you that don't know, Um, Erica descends from a long line of grandmother curanderas. She has continued this tradition as a practicing curandera for over 20 years. She has studied with curanderas and curanderos in the Yucatan Peninsula, the Sacred Valley of Peru, and a few botanicas in Los Angeles in the United States. Erica has a master's degree in religious studies with a focus on Mesoamerican shamanism from the University of California, and she gives presentations on curanderismo uh, in various locations and events, raising people's awareness of these practical and effective healing forms. She joins us today to talk about two books that she has written, they are available for you um, already out on um, to purchase. Cleansing Rites of Curanderismo, this is from last year, from 2018. And this year, Curanderismo Soul Retrieval, this is from 2019. And you can reach Erica at Erica, E R I K A, at realizeyourbliss.com. And that is also the website, and you can buy Erica's books and uh, investigate classes and other events at Erica's website, realizeyourbliss.com. So we are live today. So if you have questions for Erica uh, or questions about our topic, you are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938 or Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site. You are also welcome to email me at any time at christina at lastmaskcenter.org or of course email Erica directly at erica at realizeyourbliss.com and uh, for those of you that have been asking today energy body mastery begins or tonight I should say there is still time to register you can go to energybodymastery.com okay so Erica thanks again for joining me today Thank so bef- yeah so before we get into talking about your books let me ask you a question i ask of all of my guests um i realize that you have a long family tradition of curanderas um, and your own extensive um, dedication practice and study so it's it's a big story <laughs> but what would you say was really the pivotal point that brought you as a contemporary woman into your practice of this ancient medicine art?
1: Well, I would say that there were various uh, factors aside from my cultural upbringing and my desire, my spiritual, my heartfelt desire to do this. One of the big pushing points that really catalyst, I should say, that really motivated me to embrace my gift of healing, what's known in Spanish as the don. Um, it's a gift of healing God, for, uh, a gift of healing from God. And I, I truly know that we all have it. Um, in 2005, I was hiking. I slipped. I woke up being airlifted with a skull fracture, brain hemorrhage, left AC dislocated, two vertebrae, in my back fractured. I completely shattered my coccyx left leg. I fractured in three places, right leg, knee down, all of my bones shattered came out of my heel, right leg, knee down, um, yeah, I got I, I, all of my bones when I came out of here and I got severe osteomyelitis, uh, which means I got a severe infection in my in my bones in my right ankle. Um, and that, that ate away about the infection, ate away about halfway, about half of my bones in my ankle. And I was I was told all these horror stories. I was told that I was going to be in pain the rest of my life because I couldn't operate on my um, my coccyx and my um, my right ankle. I'd lost half the bones in my right ankle, so they told me that if I walked, which is a big question mark, it was going to be with some kind of assistance. And at that at that point, I had been I had I had already been spending I'd already been mentoring for about seven years with two principally two good um, in the Yucatan, and and I was also taking a lot of classes here in the states. And I, at the time I was also, I was very dissociated from myself. I was working, you know, as an attorney and I was doing social justice issues, which I thought that was supposed to be my path. And I didn't know what was drawing me to this path of granderismo. I was teaching some classes and I was already working with people, but I didn't show, I wasn't sure what that was supposed to look like <laughs> or what, how I was, what I was going to do with it. And when I was told of all my injuries, I knew I had to step into my power. I knew I had to stop doubting myself. And that was the point when I I said, okay, you know, that's it. This is it. So I was in a wheelchair for almost a year. um, And during that year, I put into practice everything that I had learned. Um, And long story short, after not walking for almost a year, I walked with a normal gait in less than two weeks. So that was the big point.
0: (laughs) That's when I was like, okay
1: you got my attention let's do this
0: <laughs> yeah beautiful um and so so then how just to kind of leap from there really how would you kind of compare and contrast um shamanism as um as kind of a global phenomenon, as a thing humanity does, right? And curandarismo itself, like kind of a compare and contrast similarities and differences in in a general sense. Well, I think
1: one of the things, first and foremost, we have to understand that all these terms are, they are defined differently by different people. So so it depends on who you ask. Somebody who, um, for example, one of my mentors that I work with, Don Fernando, who was an amazing healer, amazing. He worked, he was an amazing shaman. He worked moved a lot of magic. When I asked him how he identified himself and if he identified himself as a shaman or curandero, he looked at me so puzzled. (laughs) He just was like, why do I have to define myself to you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just do what I do. So that's very much a Western thing. Yes. But, you know, in terms of you know what, curanderismo, How I define it? Um, how I define myself? I initially didn't resonate with the term shaman. People started calling me shaman, shaman, you're a shaman, you're a shaman, and I just was like, I, I. Eventually, after 18 years, because it took me some time, it took a lot of decolonization of my own mind and my own practices to really embrace myself as a curandera. But eventually, people said, "You're a shaman, you're a shaman, you're." A sh-. I said, "Okay, yes, I'm a shaman." <laughs> <laughs> and you can think of Guaranterismo as a Latin American shamanic healing practice generally. And again, that's with the understanding that not all Guaranterics may identify themselves as a shaman, um, and they they may not identify. They just say, "I do what I do. Um, I just happen to heal." Um, and the the root form of practicing Guaranterismo it comes from the ancient practices of the Mesoamerican peoples, at least what I practice, you know, and that's, and that's actually of all the American peoples, actually, the indigenous peoples of the Americas. So all of our practices, they have roots there. So that that's basically the, the understandings, the principles, you know, cause, and that's, that's after many, many years. There's underlying threads that we can still find, and that's what I talk about in my book, Cleansing Rights of Curanderismo. I trace these things. So that's, that's the principal difference is that a lot of these practices, they come from the indigenous peoples of the Americas of my practice is from Mesoamerican plateau. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and so how has your, the academic study, um, impacted your practice? I mean, as the, as the academic study of things and then the, um, apprenticeship way of studying they're really very two different ways of learning and how have they kind of come together in you
1: well very much so the academic really helped me to begin opening my mind to different understandings of ancient practices because even though a lot of my mentors they were very well aware of the ancient indigenous practices because these particular a lot of the practices were passed on. A lot of the times, I didn't know the questions to ask that would elicit responses. Um, that I questions that I started becoming aware of when I went to school. So, for example, you know, when I went to school, I, I began learning that you know a lot of the practices of how to activate the spirit essence and how to welcome the spirit essence of sacred items of homes, of spaces, of altars. And even though I did certain things always throughout my life, I would leave water, I would leave I would leave offerings on my altar. I didn't fully understand why what I was doing. I just knew to do it. I saw other people do it. I saw my mentors do it. But then when I started understanding why they did what they did and on the, the different ceremonies, the different celebrations, I was able to ask questions that would teach me more about me and it started on my own process of soul retrieval and integrating my own practices that were very well encoded within my heart.
0: Yeah, I found, um, you know, in my own, in my, in my own training, basically the answer, well, that's just the way we do it. Not really very satisfying. While it may be true, I think we need to understand the whys, you know as as practitioners i need to know why i'm doing this it to really discern whether i should still be doing it or whether it needs to be done differently or you know i mean there it's important to not just be doing things by rote
1: yeah to be critical definitely
0: and to be able to be educated at that Depth of um, understanding not only what the practices are, but kind of the mechanics of how they're working and why they're working. In particular, so when they're not working, we can figure out, hmm, <laughs> you know, what do we do now? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, is there anything else just from the academic side of things? that you feel really uh, has been a great gift?
1: Very much so. When I was studying, I actually felt my sacred essence energy, my soul pieces come back to me a lot of times because I started getting a lot of images and flashes and memories of what I used to do in other spaces, other times. So it was, you know, and there were times where I would be reading something and I'd just start crying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and mm-hmm. they weren't tears of sadness. They were just tears of joy, because I just, I just made everything just started making much more sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I have fragments of things, but I started getting a bigger picture. Yeah, you know, and then a lot I started being able to integrate a lot
0: more pieces together. Yeah, beautiful. All right, so for those people, because we do have a listening audience that is global, and so. So what do you feel are the, the either the specialties or the really sort of defining characteristics of curandarismo? what is what is what is the real strong suit and the real character there?
1: Well, a big character is that we do a lot of things that we um, we use a lot of items in that we have at home We have, there's nothing that goes to waste, even weeds, for example. You know we we understand their healing properties, their medicinal properties, um pencils, rope, string. It's something that's sh- that's very accessible. and um, at the same time, it's also very much working with um, with the understanding that everything is magic. You know because some people distinguish like, okay, this is this is a witch, this is a shaman. And those two worlds very much interweave. And this you're a healer and you work, you know, it's, it's the healer, the shaman, the witch, they're all one. Um, you know, when, and this is something that a lot of the ethnographers, when they were in the 16th and the 17th century, when they were interviewing a lot of the shamans and asking them questions, is when anyone would come to them for any kind of healing, they did divination work. They did magic they prescribed certain herbs, they saw between worlds to see if this was where this was coming from, what needed to be done. There's no, it's not really segregation. It's understanding that, you know, there's magic, there's understanding of medicine, there's understanding of how the work, the, the body works, you know, with, um, with energy, physiologically, it's really, it's a really holistic understanding. And it's a real it's it's the integration of all these different practices as one.
0: Um, and then, what what are the what would you say are the common healing ceremonies? So, for example, in in at the core of shaman, what makes it shamanic healing? Uh, you know, is the working with spirit, the journey, so bringing energies back taking energies out. And then as you start moving to different cultures, there's different ways that we do that. Some cultures are really known for like the sucking doctors of the Amazon or something like that. So what do you feel are really the characteristic healing forms from curanderismo I think
1: now in in today's time, it's, it's really expanded. You know, back I think in the you know, when I when I was first started going to school at UCLA Anthropology, they had certain categorization. You know, you had the soba who who did um, a lot of work with body, with the body. They did massages, which is what I do too. I do certain things like that. They did ones where they had yerbarera, um, yerbarero, who worked with herbs. Um, and then you had, um, you know, your toro curandera, who did everything, worked with all these different modalities. I think it's not so much of the different forms of practice nowadays it's more about the different methodologies and how we use those methodologies so for example a fire Olympia you know a fire limpia can involve um, working with the white fire you know working with herbs offering herbs doing a fire pit, working with let's um, say tobacco as a fire uh, working with a candle in fire and all the different ways you can do that for divination for healing, for manifestation, and then there's also water. Water is a very pertinent way of how we work in curanderismo. Water, we do baños, we do baths. Baths are very common. We, you know, back, And this is something that comes back from from the ancient, also from ancient indigenous peoples, we took baths every day, like in the morning, in the evening, for sickness, for healing, for all these different works, and also to see if there was a solar well that needed to be done. And another aspect would be sleeping. Sweeping was something that was very common that was done. You know, you sleep with an egg, you sleep with feathers, you sleep with um, herbs. It's cleansing. It's moving energy through um, through different items. And another big thing um, was definitely working with spaces and energizing certain spaces. So it's not so much of a certain type of practitioner. It's more about the methodology that we use and everything that could encompass
0: in the rubric of the methodology. So let's talk a little bit about limpias. Uh, your because your first book, *The Cleansing Rights of the um, is really offering this step-by-step guide for conducting um, this very kind of central practice. And these um, healings, as you've already said, you know, they're very practical. They're incredibly effective. Um, for some people, they don't even realize that when they said they had a stomach ache and didn't want to go to school, and their grandmother grabbed an egg out of the fridge and rubbed it all over them, that that's what she was doing <laughs> because that, that was just what made them have to go to school when they wanted a day off. You know, they don't, people, for people that grew up with this, they don't even necessarily know what that was because it was so normal in the family. And yet, there's other cultures that of people that are listening that might not really know. And so um, so first off, why would someone come to you? Like what, what are the common reasons someone would come to you for Olympia?
1: Someone may come for Olympia. It just depends on what they want. Maybe they want to open up a pathway for a job. They want to find out. Maybe they're having problems with finding their beloved or being in a relationship or actually maybe even getting a divorce or facilitating more graceful separation, or maybe they've been in depression. They have some kind of, um, anxiety. It's just so multifaceted. There's many, many reasons why someone would come. Um, and sometimes there's something that's going on that they don't know. There's some, something that's manifesting as a physical illness that they're just like, I don't know. The doctors don't know. I don't know. Can you help me? Kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's because usually it's, it's something that, you know, I'll tell them, well, continue seeing your doctor, but let's look at other things as well too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it could be various reasons why someone would come to me. Cause as you mentioned at the very introduction, you know, shamanic practices, uh, which if you consider it this way, they're very holistic.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are there any, um, Are there like three or five um, common, I hate to say symptoms, but symptoms that someone could notice who is unfamiliar with this kind of work that you would say, if you're noticing these things, this would be really helpful for you?
1: Um, Well, I would say, uh, let's see, I would say, for example, insomnia, depression, depression, and also feeling like there's something that is missing. I would say that, that would, that's usually the three most common symptoms for solos. Sacred essence energy. Lots of sacred essence energy. Soul loss.
0: Right. But I was asking for, for actually what would what would it be for Olympia?
1: For well, you, you always start with the too when you do soul, when you do any mm-hmm. kind of soul loss too. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Olympia. Um, it, you know, it just depends if someone comes to me, for example, um, if they're not, if they're not, because the link is more of, it clears energy. It's more of like, okay, well, let's open, it opens up a door, so to speak. It opens up a door. So if someone is, for example, not getting a job that they want, right, they've been, they've been trying to set out and, and sending out the resume, sending out the resume and there's, there's a block there, Right. So I would, I would do Olympia for them to open up a pathway, but nonetheless, I would still give them homework. They still need to do something with that. There's something else that needs to be done. So there's not like, it's not like somebody says, okay, you have this, this, or that anything that anyone tells me, I'm going to say, okay, yes, let's do Olympia. It's not like, oh, okay, you're feeling this. Okay. Now you need Olympia. Olympia is something that it just it just comes with the territory.
0: <laughs> right. Right. But more the sense, you know, this is a you know, your book is really beautiful and comprehensive. So someone who lives in like Hungary, for example, could actually um, help themselves with this but part of part of also the point that I'm getting at is I feel like there's a lot of half-understood psychological information that is used constantly to interpret for people why whatever is happening is happening. This sort of combination of half-truths, new age stuff, and and dime store self-help book psychology. And people don't realize sometimes, because, because of a lack of education around energy, that These kinds of cleansings in and of themselves can be big help in life, and that it's not always your issue with your father, right? Sometimes it's your energy in your way, and that you need some assistance, as you said, to open the way, and so that's what I was wondering. If there were just qualities that someone is experiencing that you, if you heard them you know, o- overheard them at the table next door at the restaurant, and you'd lean over and go, By the way, you know, you need an Olympia.
1: <laughs> you know, honestly, it's, it's, but the thing is, though, that we're, the approach with the Olympia, it's something that it's not necessarily like, and it's a different, it's a paradigm shift. It's, it's a Western understanding that we're, when you are sick, you go to the doctor. It's not like that with the Olympia, Olympia is maintenance okay? Olympia's mm-hmm. is maintenance. If your car, you know, it's just like our car, you know, we don't necessarily go to an oil change when our car's like on empty with oil, right? We go get an oil change when it's like on our average thing. So the same thing with the hu- our, our living space, you know, as I tell people, how often should I do a house limpia? I say every month. Don't wait until, you know, the the space of your house gets like, Oh, my God, it feels heavy. I can't sleep. It just feels yucky. You know, it just doesn't feel nice. It doesn't feel peaceful. Do it every month. And that's, that's why I, I wrote the book. It's something that either people can do for themselves. They can do their own limpias, or they can come to me or to another practitioner for a limpia. But it's something that I recommend that we need to approach our health differently, that we don't wait to do something. And, it, you know, I wouldn't say that there's anything common that I would say, oh, yes, now you need a limpia. I would say just do a limpia every month, <laughs> Excellent. every week, do a baño all the time, you know, at least like once a month regularly. But these things should be part of our practice, part of our living. It's a different way of approaching our life. Don't wait to get sick. Do Great. preventative care.
0: Right. Exactly. All right. So why don't you share um, a story for the short story for the listeners? Like what, what pick, pick an example of a fire limpia and just what would that be like for someone doing that?
1: So uh, for example, I think, um, you know, I'll, I'll share the living space. If someone comes to me with insomnia, you know, and, and they haven't been sleeping. One of the first questions I ask them is when's the last time you cleanse your space, your living space. And, you know, now that people that know me, they, they get what I say, but some people that maybe are not familiar with me, they look at me very curiously, like, what is my living space have to do with me not sleeping? I would say do a fire yeah a white fire, a couple handfuls of salt, a splash of rubbing alcohol and any kind of herbs, all herbs, and they have to be dry, of course, all herbs have cleansing properties. Of course, they have specific gifts. You know, um, you know, I I love lemongrass, chamomile, sage, basil, uh, all herbs have cleansing properties. And then you put them in the pot. The pot has to be a pot where you're not going to eat from later on because that's energy that's now in the pot. It has to be, you know, something that you can just use just for the limpias themselves. And when, when people do that, you know, they, they come and see me, I ask them, how are you sleeping? Their sleeping is getting better because that energy isn't stuck in their living space anymore. At least that part has been cleared up. There's still may be other things too going on in their lives. There, there still may be some other changes that need to happen, but at least their living space feels more com- comfortable and they're getting the, the sleep that they're getting is more quality sleep. And eventually they continue taking care of themselves changing their lives and they no longer experience insomnia
0: beautiful can you share an example maybe of your own where you have used um, a water limpia in a way that was really important and what what that was like just so people can get a sense of just the variety of of what we're talking about
1: so a water limpia for me that one would be um I think it was just, you know, I was having some really uh, dreams that were just a little bit disturbing. <laughs> dreams of um, being, going back to school, you know, and for some reason it just, it just, it, you know, I was like back in high school or something, and then I was back in college, and it was one of those things where I was trying to take a test, and every time I would try to take a test. I was never, I'd make it to the, the test late or I started the test and I only had a minute to finish it. And, you know, at least, and it just happened, you know, and there were other things that were related to that. So what I did was I did a baño and the baño is, um, it's a very concentrated tea. Um, you know, I, I used basil, I used chamomile, I use lemongrass. Those are my common ones that I use. Um, and I also use roux and I made a very concentrated tea and I kept pouring the tea in there. It's about maybe seven. If you think about it, like you can put it in a coffee maker, you can about six or seven full, so about 12 cups and then about six or seven of of the full ladles of them. And I just kept pouring them into, pour them into the tub. And that's what I recommend in the book. And then a couple, about one or two cups of Epsom salt. Cleanse the space, and then I went in there. And then I started when I was in the bath, I remembered and I started realizing what was happening, why I was having those dreams, and what I need to do in terms of organizing something differently in my life. And it just opened up. It it was just this aha moment of like, oh, that's what that was about. And I stopped having those dreams, and my dreams were very rough, uh, they're very peaceful after that.
0: Beautiful. And then, could you just describe um, sweeping rights? Because it, it's not all that familiar for some some people. So, just what it would be like for a client to receive a sweeping.
1: Well, it's actually it's it's actually um, a lot more common because we use with, um, if you've ever been to a sh- you know any most shamans they use feather fans. You know, they use a bird feather to do a, a sweep. So that's the concept of sweeping energy. You know, what's very common is, for example, you know, you you clear someone with Florida water or some other kind of sacred water, and then you run a rattle through them, and then you sweep them either with the with the feather fan. Um, that could be a, a bird feather fan, or it could be an herbs. It could just be a different things that you use to clear that energy away. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And what's, um, what's the role of space for you with Olympia Rites?
1: Well, with space, it's ensuring, it's helping. It's, it's very multi-level in, in, in purpose. It depends on what you want to. So if you want to open up your space for something that's creativity, then I talk about my book of how to create a space um, and, and have this energy signature so it makes the your space wherever it's at. If it's an office, for example, a space that's more conducive for creativity or it's a space for healing or it's a space for peace, gentleness, and it helps us to be in that and be more conducive
0: for that. Because I thought this was a particularly interesting part of your um, book Uh, Just that idea of being able to work with your space to focus towards, um, I don't know, a goal, really, of what you're looking for. And so a lot of people don't realize that they could be, in a sense, in relationship with their own space. Um, Go ahead.
1: No, go ahead. Um, You were going to say something.
0: (laughs) I was just going to move on, actually, just to talk about... I thought one other part of, of that first book that I think was really lovely also was this your piece about the heart-straightening talks. Would you share just a little bit about what that's about and how that can be helpful for people?
1: So, a um, heart-straightening talk, also known as platicas um, in Spanish, you know, it's it's, very, it's it's very common. We do it all the time, you know, when a friend or a relative calls us or talks to us and they tell us a very heavy story. Maybe they're concerned about maybe they they got a bad news from a doctor or they're just having something, some concerns and we listen to them. That's energy. And it's, it's something that we happens all the time. And, you know, it's like, if you have, if you have someone like a friend that's constantly giving you this news about them and we actually take some of that energy on and it's a way of one being cognizant of that. And it's a way of being able to navigate so you help someone release the energy, but it's also understood that you also have to cleanse the energy from yourself too. Because after a while, you're not going to pick up the phone. You're not going to want to necessarily pick up the phone when that friend calls you or that relative calls you because it's heavy. you know. But you're more willing to if it doesn't feel heavy anymore as you're clearing and moving the energy from that. So it's understood that by speaking, That's energy, too. And it's a way of releasing and purging energy out from our body through speaking and holding that space for it.
0: Um, Okay. Beautiful. So, um, these – just everyone who's listening. So, these – Ideas that we've been talking about are really deeply and beautifully laid out for you to pick up the book and give it a try yourself, actually, in this book, Cleansing Rights of the Curandarismo, And it is available if you go to Erica's site at realizeyourbliss.com. Okay, and then this year, 2019, Erica's written a book called Curandismo Soul Retrieval. So what I'd like to start with, um, partly because I find this aspect of culture really interesting, how did ancient, you know, pre-contact with the West, Mesoamerican peoples, how did they understand the soul?
1: The soul was understood as As I've been mentioning, sacred essence energy that was concentrated in certain parts of the body. And it could also be in spaces, in natural spaces, in uh, constructed spaces. It was also in our sacred items. It could be in our sacred items. So it was, it's energy. It's sacred. It's energy that animates, that moves us that helps us to grow, that helps us to see, that gives us, that helps to revitalize us and and feel energized.
0: And And that's what what
1: keeps us healthy too. Right.
0: And so then what was the um, original, um, the original causes of soul loss? You know, back in in ancient times, um, before all the multitudinous, Reasons for soul loss today, but what what was what were the reasons back in the back in the day? Well, uh, trauma,
1: trauma was a big thing. Fear, um, what we know in we call it susto, and uh, also having sex at a very young age. That was also that could also cause soul loss as well. Um, there were. Interactions with spirits that were fearful or in certain spaces that were fearful. Um, It could be dynamics with loved ones as well. They also talk about this too, even family members that just power dynamics where someone could take your sacred essence energy from you. Mm -hmm. So it's it's similar in some degrees, but very different in others. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Was there a particular way in which, from a cultural perspective, parents um, interceded or interacted or in some way endeavored to protect their children from the kinds of interactions with spirit that would be scary and would would potentially create soul loss? Was there sort of a cultural norm around that? Well,
1: you know, it depends on which... Mesoamerican tribe, too, because there's so many Mm -hmm. of them. Sure. So I don't know if there was like one specific way for all the hundreds of tribes that were there um, necessarily. Of course, they told you to stay away from crossroads or they may tell you, for example, to put an obsidian, uh, a black obsidian arrowhead um, in water at your door, uh, especially during the eclipses. I mean, there were certain things that you, you know, you wore, or you, women were told if they were pregnant to put it in their mouths, or to put a uh, red string around their belly if they were pregnant. Um, there were various. It just depends on the, the various traditions with the different peoples. There were lots of different ways. I don't think there was necessarily one common way. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, all right. So. What I was uh, hoping that we could explore here today is, um, just because there's hundreds of hours in the archives about soul retrieval, et cetera, already in the archives, but there's this really beautiful opportunity we have today to talk about soul retrieval in the context of a cosmology and how how, That is different. uh, That creates a different experience for the person receiving themselves back when it's happening inside this larger cosmology of understanding. So I know it it jumps over a couple things, and you can circle back if you need to, but I was hoping we could just go through talking about um, soul retrieval in this context of the directions, of really working in the cardinal directions as they, with within their meaning, as you're working with them. I realize it's not a particular culture, but in the way that you present it in your book. So like starting with the South, the wisdom and the medicine of that space at the South.
1: So one of the things that needs to be understood too is that what was, what everybody believed a lot, that everybody, but uh, most of the people, maybe this was something that was very common throughout the ancient indigenous peoples, that the sun, for example, was a principal source of sacred essence energy, soul energy, and so were the cardinal spaces. So, and every time we work with the cardinal spaces, it works in two, two facets, two principal facets. There's many, of course, many within that as well. One is that when we work with the certain spaces, they give us sacred essence energy to help us keep us going. Because sometimes um, we, well, not sometimes, we need that sacred essence energy to keep going. And it's also the understanding too, because when, and this is different, especially now, and this is what's very in contemporary too, that we approach it as a process rather than, okay, you go to someone for a session, get your soul back. It's no, let me show you what I'm going to see and all the steps that you need to take to get, to create that, that home, that safe space to come home to, because it's understood that our soul pieces should have come back. If they haven't come back, it's because we're doing something that has inhibited their return or we haven't acknowledged a part of us that, that was broken as a child or needed to hear something or needed something. Um, And we need to go back and journey and love that part of us so that peace feels comfortable coming home. So every time we journey into these spaces, we get the sacred essence energy. And it's also understanding that by working with the sacred essence, working with these cardinal spaces, is you are opening your life to a portal where no longer your life is separated as one is the sacred, one is the mundane. We start recognizing that everything that we're doing is sacred. How we go about our day. It's not just about sitting there. Okay, I'm in a journey and this is the space where I'm going to get my soul peace back. It can happen when you're driving. It can happen when you get to the gym and you feel like, hey, I'm loving my body. Or you're making that wonderful um, you know, food for yourself that, that you feel good and that peace comes back because it's like, okay, now I want to come back to you. Because those pieces need to come back. They should have come back. So what we usually start with is we start with the South is we start with the space of discovery and understanding what happened. Why hasn't it come? Why hasn't your piece come back? When did it go away? What does it need to hear? What does it, how does it need to be loved? And then, and this isn't linear of course too, because a lot of times we need, we need to revisit these spaces. Um, But this is a general flow. The West is a space of death and releasing. We need to, what we need to let go of, it's the shadow aspects, working with our shadows, working with our bad habits, letting go of our bad habits, letting go of stories, identities that we've been allowing to hold us back, and doing it with compassion, with love, with peace, um, and patience with ourselves as well and also saying, okay, I may not be able to deal with you right away, but I'm gonna put a thumbtack on you. And I'm gonna take you bit by bit by bit. And you may be, we may be working with the West quite a bit, you know, simultaneously and working with other spaces. The North is the space where we start really connecting to our ancestors. And our ancestors being um, anything from, it could be star nations, it could be our blood ancestors, It's a space where we really step into our divine presence and start saying, okay, you know what? I've been experiencing healing in somewhat a traumatic way or a way that doesn't feel as graceful. I'm going to step into who I am and ask and connect with all that is divine. So I start changing my healing process, my reality and start opening to it and get medicine and allow more synchronicities to happen into my life. The East is a space of Embracing new beginnings, reshaping those new beginnings and getting medicine and guidance for those new beginnings. So, so that's, um, And then the center of the space where we go into, into the sacred heart. That's a space where we always journey. We always, that's the space we always go into to journey into our spaces to go and get those, those pieces back to find out what happened. What do we need? How do we need to heal? hmm
0: Mm-hmm. So, if we circle back to the West, you talked about um, you discovering that there's something that we need to let die or need need to release in a in a big way in this process. So, what would be an example of how someone might let something that was really big inhibiting the soul parts for integrating? Well, what, what would that be? Uh-
1: It could be anything. It could be an example is letting go of someone who, letting go of a job or letting go of a relationship that is very harmful to us. You know, whether it's a friend or a romantic relationship or a certain, um, maybe it's a certain eating practice that we have, you know, maybe eating certain things that aren't, that aren't good for us, that we know are destructive for us. Maybe drinking, drinking excessively, It's just whatever bad habits that we have that have been holding us back from really stepping into a space of self-love.
0: Is this a a part in someone's process where you would bring in ritual or um, some other form to assist the process?
1: So I would recommend, for example, um, if they are... Maybe going through a process of detoxing. Maybe they've been uh, drinking excessively. I would tell them to take repeated baños, working with with water, water limpias, and helping one to help to detox the body um, and release those toxins from the body and also to help the person feel better spiritually because that helps that process of releasing.
0: So one of the things that I've noticed with contemporary people, especially just today in today's world, is that you know sort of focusing on the bad stuff and the trauma is sort of easier in a sense, and that there's a whole other skill set um, that is often really challenging for people, which is the the East, right? Doing, actually dealing with their fear of doing the new things. And I was wondering if there was a way that you supported people or a way that you brought a ceremony or ritual in to help people in that space of the new beginnings?
1: Well, one, if they're having fear for the new beginnings, then they need to revisit the West. (laughs) They need to figure out, and, and, and the South too, is why is that fear there? Where is it coming from? Because there hasn't been a full integration and they're not ready then for the East. If they're having fear, they're not ready for the East. They still need to do some work of discovering and understanding what they need to do to let go of that fear and to be in the West to release that fear. Because when you, um, and, and, you know, and sometimes you're in the East and you're like, I'm ready for change. I'm ready for this. And you get there and you're like, oh no, I, no, I don't want to do the I don't want to do the change. And the thing is, first and foremost, I would say be compassionate with ourselves be compassionate and be patient. Okay, maybe we're not ready right now. What can we do? Anything to take it bit, bit by bit, part by part, to break it down so it doesn't feel so cumbersome and it seems more practical and doable.
0: And then, is there anything else um, just about this process that you would like to say here at the end of our of our hour? That you haven't had a chance to say yet? I've been
1: saying this, but I just really want to reiterate this too, is um, that this process, I learned it, you know, I had already learned other soul retrieval methods, but one of my mentors taught me this process because she also wanted to ingrain within me that healing is sometimes messy. It's it could be. It's definitely not linear. Usually, <laughs> usually, mm-hmm. it's not linear. It's all these different things, and always in that process is, it's important, to look at it as that and be patient with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everyone, this this um this idea a, and the ideas shared around the directions is very much more fully explored, in Erica's book *Cure Soul Retrieval*. Um, <laughs> Ancient Shamanic Wisdom to Restore the Sacred Energy of the Soul. And you can also uh, get this book at her website, realizeyourbliss.com. Now, for those of you that um, either are happy to travel or are in California, um, Erica does have events coming up this month, which is September 2019. Erica, would you um, share the events that you were sharing with me? Yes, yeah, definitely. And I just
1: wanted to say one thing, too, about the books. Um, I don't sell them personally. I have links to where you can get them. Um, you can get them through my publisher, Inner Traditions, or Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. But if you go to the website under the books that I have the links of where to get them, I don't sell them personally. So I just wanted to make sure that was understood. Um, but Yeah. I also have on my website um, events and I also do offer online Linkia classes as well. So people that aren't in the area as well. Um, And this Thursday, for example, we're going to be working, we're going to be doing a tea ceremony, working and journeying with lemongrass through sound with uh, crystal bowls, with drumming. And people are going to learn about the emotional, mental, spiritual benefits and preparation of how to work with lemongrass for medicinal um, to help manage diabetes, insomnia, any digestion issues, to open up pathways. So that's, that's one of the things. And then at the last Sunday of the month, we're going to be doing an animal spirit guide class of working with our animal guides and working in the non-ordinary realms, being the upper world, middle world, and the underworld.
0: Beautiful. Thank you, Erica. So thank you so much for joining us here today and, and um, talking about your two beautiful books. And for those thank of you, you that want to. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. sorry about that. Yeah. So for those of you that want to reach Erica, you can email her at Erica, E-R-I-K-A at realizeyourbliss.com and you can also find um, as she said, both books, links to both books through that website and again, that is The Cleansing Rites of the Curendarismo and the curinderismo Soul Retrieval and so I'd like to take a moment here and to give enormous gratitude to Erica's ancestors and all of the ancestors of all of the people whose information she has connected with either through her own training traditionally and academically and how all that comes together and the beautiful work that she's offering here today so we give gratitude to that gratitude to your own ancestral helping spirits gratitude to all those energies human and non-human that come to assist us in our days thanks to the earth below the sky above and the heart that unites us all I just want to remind everyone, tonight's the night, Energy Body Mastery begins tonight and you can still register at energybodymastery.com. Thank you everyone, have a great week.